Valentine's Day, of course, is an annual day when we celebrate and express love for our loved ones. That's very clear. But what is less clear is how we love the others 364 days of a year. And what perhaps is even less clear than the how is what is the source of that kind of love? How can we sustain it? How could it be more than just a greeting card today or a, a bouquet of flowers or a box of chocolates? When we are told to love more, we have the danger to be like tires on a car. And the danger is that when we are told to love more by scripture, that we may just find it easier to roll along as if nothing has changed than it is to pull the side and see if the tread is wearing thin or if there's a slow leak in a tire. And today, as we look at 1 John, I hope it will be a tire check, as it were, on our love, our love for God and our love for one another. Let's start with God himself when we consider how to love and who is the source of love because he is the one who shows us how to love and he is the source of any love that we can have that is glorying to God. And so to start with, we're going to scan through some verses in 1 John near the end of your New Testaments. 1 John, not the Gospel of John, 1 John. And in scanning this marvelous, relatively short book of New Testament, we're going to see four things. We're going to see one that love involves choices about God and about persons. Number two, we're going to see that love involves abiding. Three, love involves relying on the proof of abiding. And last, love involves passing on God's love. Again, four things we're going to see from 1 John. Number one, love involves choices about God and his persons. Second, love involves abiding. Third, love involves relying on the proof of abiding. And fourth, love involves passing on God's love. So let's take these four points one at a time, shall we? The first point, love involves choices about God and about persons. Love involves choices about God and his persons. Here's how obedience works according to chapter 5 of 1 John, verses 1 to 3, which I'll ask you to turn your attention to either on the screen or in the Bibles you hold in your hands and in your hearts. 1 John 5, verse 1 to 3. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. May I point out several choices in this kind of loving. Whoever believes, that's a choice, that Jesus is the Christ born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves, there's another choice, loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. When we observe his commandments, of course, that is a choice to be made as well. So love, in fact, involves choices about God and choices about other persons. So that's how it works. We choose to believe in Christ to be our savior. I trust that that is the choice we've all made in some point in our past. Second, we choose to love God the Father. Third, we choose to love 
his born-again children. That's the person on your left, the person on your right in the pew. That's the people you meet who are fellowshipping with you in Christ and this wonderful salvation we have. So we choose to love Christ's born-again children who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, my wife, Beth, comes from a family of three children. She's the eldest, a loving father and a loving mother. Father happened to be a pastor, seminary-trained, Dallas seminary-trained pastor, and he pastored in Columbus, Ohio, Racine, Wisconsin, and Waterford, Michigan. And do you know what's true of all those three geographic locations? That none of Beth's family were anywhere near those locations. And so it was difficult for there to be relationship and uh, growing in love for one another with her aunts and her uncles and her cousins because they lived in Texas. And back then, my father-in-law wasn't paid enough to just travel by car to Texas except maybe once in best lifetime. And so here's my wife and her siblings having to understand that God's family for them was more than a blood family, more than a physical family. The family God had given to the Wisenhunts was a spiritual family. So they had their Thanksgivings with brothers and sisters in these churches. They had their Christmases with brothers and sisters in these churches. They went on recreational times to the park or swimming with brothers and sisters in Christ in the congregations which they were a part of. The spiritual family was indeed their closest family. It isn't that what Jesus said when he was accused of being filled with a demon, when they brought his family to him and he was teaching his spiritual family, and he said, the spiritual family is my priority over my blood family, my physical family. I'll let you think about that. There's nothing wrong with physical and blood family, of course, but we are going to spend eternity with each other as family members in the body and bride of Christ. And so we should be extending ourselves to give to our brothers and sisters in Christ our time, our love. And they should be giving us their time and their love in a spiritual family. So love involves choices about God and his people. So do we want to love better? I'm sure we do. Then make better choices. Better choices about trusting Jesus Christ to be Savior. Maybe someone viewing online hasn't trusted Christ to be Savior. Maybe someone here hasn't trusted Jesus to be Savior. Make better choices about trusting Christ as Savior. Also, make better choices about loving God the Father who sent God the Son to be the Savior of the world. Third, make better choices about loving your brothers and sisters in Christ in this wonderful, eternal, spiritual family that you've been placed into. We call each other brothers and sisters because we are. (laughs) And we will be in heaven together because of God's grace. So why not be tightly knit now on earth? Brothers and sisters in Christ, the spiritual family. And so our first point is that we love better when we understand that love involves choices about God and his people. So we move on to our second point in 1 John. Love involves abiding. We need to know what abiding means, and we'll see the scripture's definition in just a moment. But go with me to chapter 2, verse 10 in 1 John, if you would, please. 1 John 2, 10, the one who loves his brother 
abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Abiding involves loving one's brother. 4.16, and we have come to know that we have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, watch it, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Skipping back, chapter 4, verse 12, no one has beheld God at any time if we love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So love involves abiding. What is abiding? 2.10 in 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, gives us the introduction to the term abiding in the book of 1 John. And in 2.10, this is what the first thing that 1 John says about abiding. Listen, the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. And so in this introduction to abiding in the book of 1 John, we see that this verse says to abide is to, again, one who loves his brother abides in the light, to be in the light as you're abiding with your brother. And there's no cause for stumbling in him. If we don't love our brother or our sister in Christ as we ought in this assembly, then we cause their others to stumble. We don't want to do that. And so when I think of abiding, I think of our daughter Joanna. Joanna and her mother, one of the favorite things that they did together when Joanna was little was they would get on our bed in our master bedroom and they would watch a Hallmark movie together. And Joanna would snuggle up to her mom and her mom would tickle her back or her hand and they would just enjoy time spent together in close proximity with affectionate mother-daughter love. Now that's closeness that is abiding in a movie. That's all right. But 210 is, is introducing to us the idea of abiding in the light. We are told to abide in the light. Again, verse 10 of chapter 2, the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him or her. But there's more. 4.16, if you hop back with me, chapter 4, verse 16 reads, and we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And so this verse is telling us if we understand that love involves abiding, and if we are told to abide in three things in the first, in the first epistle, John, 1 John, namely we're to abide in light, we're to abide in God's love, we're to abide in God, then we better understand what abiding is. To be close to the light, to be close to God's love, to be close to God, when that is the case, we are abiding and we are properly going to love 
others. There's a very simple definition for abiding. It is abiding is obeying God's commands. Abiding is obeying God's commands. You cannot say, allege, that you are abiding in God if you disobey his commands. And if anybody wants to know if you're abiding in God, they just have to see if you're obeying God's commands in Scripture. And in the Gospel of John, not 1 John now, but in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 10, John, under inspiration, defines abiding as obeying. Abiding is obeying. John 15, 10, Jesus speaking, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Simple. Abiding in God involves obeying his commandments. And John, going back to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, continues this concept of defining abiding as obeying in 1 John 3, verse 24. Listen, and the one who keeps his commandments abides in him. Let me say it again. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. It's very important. 324 is saying the one, the believer who who keeps God's commandments is found in scripture abides in him and he in him reciprocated. And we know by this, he, God, abides in us. How? By the spirit whom he has given us. Don't want to grieve the spirit of God? Then keep God's commandments. And you'll be abiding in him and God will be abiding with you. Amazing concept. A totally amazing concept. So what is 1 John teaching us? It's teaching us that love involves abiding. And abiding abiding involves obeying. (laughs) Your teenager would be talking nonsense if he said to you, I feel so close to you, mom and dad, when I steal cars. That's crazy. No, abiding is obeying. And no reasonable parent commands his or her son to steal cars. Abiding in the light and abiding in God's love and abiding in God all involve doing what God says in the Bible and not doing what God prohibits in the Bible. Abiding is obeying. Want to love better? Good. Obey better. It's that simple. Well, the picture of love is being painted by 1 John. And first we saw love involves choices about God and his people, so choose well. Love also involves abiding, so obey well. On to the third point in our message. Love involves relying on the proof of abiding. 
What is the proof of abiding? Better asked, who is the proof of abiding? It's the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 of chapter 4, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit, capital S. And so love involves relying upon the proof of abiding, who is the Holy Spirit who indwells the blood-bought child of God. (laughs) So this means that love also means relying. And so we ought to rely well on the Holy Spirit. And the proof of abiding is the Holy Spirit, and obeying God is God's gift of the Holy Spirit. So God gave us the Holy Spirit so we can do the supernatural acts of loving others and loving God. And to the degree that we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we walk in the Holy Spirit, to that degree we're going to properly love God and we're properly going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. When the Holy Spirit controls a believer, then that believer has solid proof that they're abiding in God. Solid proof. Abiding is obeying Christ. And love that stands the test of time relies on the proof of abiding who is the Spirit of God. Now, when you rely upon the Holy Spirit who indwells you, you can love anyone, anyone with God's love. The person who gets a burr in your saddle at work, whose their life calling is to make your time at work miserable, you can love that person with the Holy Spirit controlling you. That parent who turned their back on you or went away from you and abandoned you as a young child, you can love that parent who was AWOL as the Holy Spirit controls you. Amen? I realize for some today, Valentine's Day is bitter. It's not sweet. Because you look back on your past and someone that should have loved you properly did not. Well, take your eyes off of them. Place your eyes on God who gave you the Holy Spirit of God and love with the Holy Spirit's perspective and power. You can love anyone if the Spirit of God pulls the levers of your mind and the levers of your walk that he's driving your car. You can love anyone with the Spirit of God driving your car. But if you take the wheel in your car and try to drive your own life and put the Holy Spirit in the back seat of the trunk, you are not going to be able to love people who have not loved you, who have abandoned you, have hurt you, have disappointed you. But when your eyes are on God the Father who sent God the Spirit who's resident within you, then you can let the Holy Spirit drive your car, the steering wheel of your car, and he'll be in control. And you'll be able to love the most unlikely people in your life. You'll be able to love them. And so love involves relying upon the proof of your abiding, who is the Holy Spirit. And you know what his fruit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law or explanation except you know the Holy Spirit's working. I appreciate 
Pastor John MacArthur's explanation of this quote, when you as a Christian live controlled by the Holy Spirit, therefore manifest his fruit, then you need no external law to produce the attitudes and behaviors that please God, end of quote. It's all being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so to recap, so far we've seen that love involves choices we make about God and his people, so we choose well. It involves abiding, so we obey well. It involves relying on the Holy Spirit, so we rely well. Want to love better? Make right choices about your heavenly Father and and about your spiritual family. Want to love better? Get good at abiding, good at obeying God's commands. Want to love better? Rely on the Holy Spirit, who is proof that you are, in fact, abiding and in your obeying. And the fourth and last point in this message is that love involves passing on God's love. 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And so love involves passing on God's love. Love involves passing on. You want to love better? Then pass on well. Of course, until you've received Jesus Christ's love, you cannot pass it on. But once you have received God's love, you must pass it on. If for some reason it was life and death for you that you had to learn to speak German, I don't speak German. I couldn't help you. But if I can speak German and I refuse to teach you German and it's a life and death matter, then I am very, very unloving. If you're a born-again believer, you have received the love of God in Christ. You've received it. It's yours. 1 John 4, verse 10 In this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. The propitiation is a satisfactory payment that pays the debt that was owed down to zero. When you pay your utility bill and you owed BPL, some amount of money. When you pay the full amount, then you have retired and satisfactorily paid your debt to BPL. And so if you're a born-again Christian, you have received the love of God and you're called to pass it along. You're not to be a sponge on God's love. You are to be a pipeline of God's love. I've told you before, in the South, if you put a dish of buttermilk on the porch of a hot state like, say, Alabama, and you put cornbread into that buttermilk, it might taste like a yummy treat the day you do it. But if you don't eat it for a week in the heat, you'll throw up. And so when we receive the love of God in Christ, we don't hold it on. We're not like hoarders. You've seen those television programs where you barely get through an aisle in a kitchen because the the junk is piled to the ceiling. Not only is that unsanitary, but that is a picture of the believer who hoards and keeps God's love to him or herself. 
Don't do that. Because you receive God's love abundantly, give it out abundantly. Some believers figure that God's love is too good for some persons. You're thinking, you want me to abundantly give love to him? Do you know what he's done to me? You want me to give generous love of God to her? I don't think so, Pastor. You don't know what's involved in that relationship. I don't care. I don't know. Pass on God's love to your enemies. Pass on God's love to those who have hurt you deeply. Pass on God's love. Believe that it's better to give than receive. It's better to give God's love to someone, maybe undeserving, than to keep God's love in the buttermilk-soaked cornbread that stinks to high heaven after a week. Some believers don't pass on God's love, and when they don't, they smear the name of Christ. Some believers don't let themselves be a channel of God's love to somebody they have prejudice against. And that is writing graffiti, defacing the love of God, which that believer has received. Don't do that. Now, verse 7 of chapter 4 is wound as tight as a golf ball with wonderful truth. 4-7. Beloved, let us love one another For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's experiential knowledge of God, genoske in Greek. And so this wonderful verse 7 of chapter 4 tells us when passing on God's love, number one, love is from God, and he is the source of love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Second point in verse 7, the born of God love with God's love. That's the second part of of, uh, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Watch, and everyone who loves is born of God. Third, from the same verse, to love with God's love, you must know God. Ginosko, not academic theoretical knowledge, but experiential knowledge. You know how to drive because you've experienced driving in Nassau. You know how to make a chocolate cake because you've had experience making a chocolate cake. To love with God's love, you must know God. Whole verse 7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God experientially. That's a, that's a mighty verse, verse 7. That would be a good verse to memorize. So let me say this again in a different way. You don't have enough self-made love to love others. You just don't. In your flesh, you don't have enough in your well to ladle out loving water to anyone else. You're just going to get exhausted. It's going to deplete. It's going to go to zero in your well. You don't have enough self-made love to love others. Number two, you aren't born of God if you don't love others with God's love. It's a family characteristic. It's a resemblance to the Savior when we love others with God's love. 
And number three, you can't love with God's love if you don't know God. How do you know God? By experiencing the truth of God and his word a little bit every day. I think morning's preferred, but that's, I'm a morning person. The way you're going to experientially know God is to spend time in his word each day and to learn to trust him on your prayer list to be specific about what you're asking God for, and then as he answers, to highlight that with a yellow highlighter pen that God answered. That's how you're going to get to experientially know God. So again, to review, you don't have enough self-made love to love others. You aren't born of God if you don't love others with God's love, and you can't love with God's love if you don't experientially know God. Let me expand that a little further. Same points, but expanded. The love which is from God is agape love. It discerns the greatest need in the one who is love and then sacrifices to meet that need without any regard for payback or the cost. Love which is from God is agape love because God's love for us is agape love. Second, born-again persons must pass on God's agape love. That means we must discern the needs and the people we are going to love so we can sacrificially give to meet their needs without regard for the cost or the payback. And number three, to pass on God's love, you must know him. Gnosuke, knowledge from experience. Persons who have experienced the love of God can't wait to pass it on to others. Corey Tenboom watched her sister be raped and, and killed by starvation in the Nazi concentration camp. She met the guard who supervised all that horrific action later after the war, and she struggled, but she walked up to him, and he said to her, Fräulein, do you remember me? Yes. Will you please forgive me for what I did to your sister and the other women? She said it was hard. But she prayed with her eyes open and asked the Holy Spirit to give her the power to love this Nazi guard. And she shook his hand and she said, yes, because God has loved me, I forgive you and I choose to love you. That's powerful. That's powerful. Fanny Crosby, writer of thousands of hymns that we enjoy and sing. Fanny Crosby was blinded by a doctor's error in the prescription drug he gave her when she was a young girl, and it caused her to go blind. A doctor's error. And someone said to Fanny Crosby, if you could speak to the doctor who, who wrote the wrong prescription on that slip of paper and the druggist gave it to you and you were caused to be blind, what would you say? She said, I would say, because God has forgiven me, I can forgive you. And I thank God that I'm blind because I've seen the spiritual truth in the realms that are unseen because I'm blind. And that's how I can write the hymns that I write. Wow. So a three-question quiz. Number one, can you think of a clear experience you've had with God's love? Just one. Can you think of a clear experience you've had relative to God's love for you? 
Second question. How do you know that God loves you? You answer that in your mind. How do I know that God loves me? And third, prove to me that God loves you. If I could have a Coke or a coffee or a tea with each one of you this week, and we sat down across the table from each other with our masks on, and I said to you, can you think of one example where you've experienced God's love for you? And then I asked you, how do you know that God loves you? And if I said then, prove to me that God loves you. By the way, if it wasn't me, your pastor, and it was some skeptic or agnostic or atheist who asked you the same three questions, would you have something to say? Can you think of a clear experience which you've had with God's love for you? How do you know that God loves you? Prove to me that God loves you. I hope you could easily answer those three questions. And this week, if you could sit across the table from a skeptic or an atheist or an angry person with God, I hope you would give them those answers this week. We need to know these things because of God's word, because of our prayer life, to know this ginoske, experiential love of God. And so then we know that and know what's true, and we give it verbally so others will get in on God's love who don't know it yet, have never experienced it yet that they're aware of. Every day they wake up with breath in their body and heartbeats. They're experiencing God's love, but maybe they don't recognize it's God. It's Obran or jogging to them. <laughs> you want to have Gnosis experiential love and knowledge of God, then get sharing God's love. It'll push you to the three answers to that question. A lot of persons every day, do you realize they feel unloved? If you pushed someone you know far enough, they would say, I'm angry because I don't know that anybody loves me. I'm lonely. I'm pessimistic. I'm angry. I don't know of one person who loves me. Could that be you this week? Could you step up to the plate and love that person with Christ's love? I pray so. You want to love better than know God better. Now, I have nothing against Valentine's Day with cards and gifts, but I've given plenty of them to Beth over my years, and I've received plenty of them from Beth. But you know that biblical love is fuller than flowers? That biblical love is deeper than dark chocolate? Biblical love to review and to conclude, involves choices about God and his people, so choose well. Biblical love involves abiding, so obey well. Biblical love involves relying on the proof of abiding, rely well on the Holy Spirit. And love involves passing on God's love, know God, and then pass him on to others. Better choose about God and his people. Better abide 
better obey, that is, better rely on the Holy Spirit, better pass on God's love, which means we have experiential gnoske love for God. When loving God's way, choose well about God and his children. Abide and obey well of God's commands. Rely well on the proof of abiding the Holy Spirit and know God well and then pass along his love. Someone's waiting for love. They're shooting up their arm with drugs. They're drinking themselves drunk each day. Some are selling their bodies. Some are stealing and have no self-respect for themselves. They're stealing, cheating, lying. God's going to bring someone across your path this week and mine that needs God's love. Let's give it. Maybe that person is in your home. Maybe that person is in this church. Maybe that person is where you work. Maybe that person is where you shop. Pass on God's love, will you? It'll please him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that sent the lover of our soul, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross. Thank you that with the Spirit of God indwelling us, and we rely upon him that we have the power to love even our enemies, to love even strangers. Lord, help us to better choose, better abide, better rely on, and better pass on, that you would be honored and glorified and your family would expand with new conversion growth. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.